They are expected to win. Virtually every year, they are, after all, the New York Yankees. Big names, big payroll, big expectations. But after a great start to the shortened 2020 season, the Yankees stumbled, losing 15 of 20 games. Aaron, I know generally speaking you are extremely positive, but the team just dropped three of four to Baltimore. You're just three games above 500. How would you describe the state of this team right now? You know, I think I think we're frustrated. I think guys are pissed off and understandable, but we got to get through it. Now, though, as they start to get healthier, they appear to have turned it around. Winners of five in a row. Are the Bronx Bombers peaking at the right time? I'm Dan Schulman, and this is a Swing and a Belt. Yeah, just like George Costanza said, then they swept Baltimore four straight. Yankees make it five in a row overall. I'm Sweeney Murdy. In these four games, Yankee pitching surrendered three runs on 16 hits. That's a four-game total. I think the Blue Jays had more than that in that one inning last week in Buffalo, right? Yeah. Sweeney Murdy uh, covers the Yankees for WFAN, SNY, and the MLB Network. Whatever is going on with the Yankees, he knows about it. So he's the guy we wanted to talk to to find out what's up these days. A week ago, the Yankees were in a tailspin. Now they've won five in a row as they get set for a big series with the Blue Jays in the Bronx. Sweeney, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, Danny. Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm doing well. Very happy like you are. I know that we have baseball, even though it's not normal. Nothing is normal in, in 2020. Uh, how's it been for you trying to do your job these days? Yeah, it's different. I mean, listen, I, I've got a different experience than I know you guys do. I actually do get to go to a ballpark and watch the team in person every once in a while. Uh, I cover the home games at Yankee Stadium, but I've, you know, road games I do from the TV set. And uh, you know, I know what it's like for you guys. It's, uh, it's a lot different. I think the thing that we all miss is the ability to not only to see each other and talk to each other, but you get more done covering a game when you're allowed to talk to the players and the coaches before and after the game and not just in a Zoom setting. I've said one of the things that I really miss is the day after stuff because while you can ask game-related questions of people on the Zoom and get those immediate answers, you get a little more insight when you get to go with them the next day when they've had a chance to sleep on it and the emotion of that game isn't as fresh and they maybe had a chance to think about things a little bit differently and you get a much different perspective, whether it's talking to manager, coaches, or players the day after, that's the kind of thing I miss about the clubhouse and batting practice time that uh, we're not getting in 2020. Yeah, and for the most part, there are no scoops anymore. Everybody's getting the same information unless they've got a little back channel away here and there to get something else. But for the most part, everybody's got the same information, and then you really got to be creative in getting that information out there in a unique way. I kind of felt going into this that our powers of observation were going to be tested a little <laughs> bit more because what you see and what, you're, what you've been trained to see, what your experience in covering the game has trained you to see gets tested because that's where you're really going to kind of make your points more because it's not just about, okay, let me go ask this guy about this and get this out there first. Let me go ask about that and get that out there first. I mean, I'm never good at that part of it anyway, so I hope that I hope that my powers of observation are good enough because what we see and are able to kind of discern from the little things here and yeah. there, I think that's really where we're making our money this year. 
Well, you got three employers, so you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, Dan, if any one of them paid me enough, I wouldn't have to do them all. <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's see what you've discerned from the last seven or eight weeks. Let's talk about the team. There have kind of been three different stages of the season for the Yankees, from from my perspective, from the outside looking in. Talk to us a little bit about the sixteen and six start and what the Yankees looked like in the first twenty two games of the season. Well. They looked like they were supposed to because they had Garrett Cole starting, and he actually started a bunch of games because of the way the schedule worked out. I forget what the number was, but they got to push him into a lot more games early on because of some rain outs and some COVID outs and things like that. You know, he wasn't dominating, but he was he was pitching well enough, and I think they had a healthy lineup. Once you know they started dropping like flies, and once they started playing the Tampa Bay Rays things changed a little bit, and that was a different part of the equation. The Yankees dropped 8 out of 10 to the Rays, and that really changed things around. Back toward the corner. Fair ball into the corner after it. Gardner, extra bases for Margot. If they have not turned up the volume on the mics around the dugouts, then this is going to be a very loud and chirpy affair. Double down into the corner, and you can hear that Rays dugout erupt like it was a little league game. The real part of the problem of their schedule was the end of the Braves series into the Mets series into more Tampa Bay games. And what really happened was their bullpen failed them. And despite other injuries and whatever underperformance their rotation was having, they had five games which they handed leads over, not to the underbelly of their bullpen, but to their best relievers. And this is how this team is designed. You hand games over to Chad Green, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, and Aroldis Chapman. You expect to win those games. You've mm-hmm. spent a lot of money in those guys and invested a lot in that bullpen for that specific purpose. No matter what the rest of the team looks like, if you give those guys a lead, they're supposed to hold it. Well, Chad Green gave up a home run in Atlanta that cost the Yankees a game. Green and Aroldis Chapman blew games against the Mets. Britton had a hand in one of those as well, too. Adovino, you saw firsthand, Green and Adovino gave up the 10 runs in Buffalo. And a drive. Left center field. Danny Jensen clears the bases, and it's a 10-run inning for the Blue Jays. Those are games that no matter what the rest of your team looks like, no matter what kind of starting pitching you're getting, no matter what injuries you have in the lineup, when those guys are on with leads, you have to win those games. And that's what really fell apart. When the wheels came off, those were the wheels that fell off. <laughs> and the most encouraging thing of this recent stretch to me was that those guys held those leads. And that's why they have kind of righted the ship, so to speak. Yeah, for people who don't know, in the in the Yankees' current five-game winning streak, they only allowed five runs. They allowed two to the Blue Jays in the last game of that series, and they only allowed three in the four games to Baltimore. So, And it all starts with your starting pitchers getting deep enough into games so that your bullpen isn't exhausted. But over the last five games, Sweeney, once around the rotation, the pitching staff looks like it's back on track right now? I'll even one-up you on that stat. Since the 10-run inning, they've only given up seven runs total. And that's across, I believe, 52 innings through Sunday. They got two really good starts from Jay Happ in that stretch. Garrett Cole looked like Garrett Cole with a complete game shutout, complete game seven innings. It was a doubleheader. Masahiro Tanaka is as good a pitcher as the Yankees could have hoped for. And this is the seventh year of his seven-year contract. 
And remember when we were all worried that that elbow was going to fall apart? Mm-hmm. It hasn't. And you know, if you watch his level of concentration, I don't know if it's concentration, but if you just level of performance goes up in a big game, regular season big game, playoff game, Man, I have no issues at all giving him the ball. If you're telling me it's Cole and Tanaka, I wouldn't worry so much if the Yankees are an eight seed, a seven seed, or a one seed. Those two guys, right, can be as good as as you need in a playoff series. Strike three, Mountcastle down looking. Seven in a row retired by Tanaka. You're starting to see Tanaka find that control again and just dot in the corner with this slider right here. Let me ask you about a couple of, of position players, Gary Sanchez and Brett Gardner. You know, everybody has seen and admired Brett Gardner for so many years, getting, you know, everything out of his ability. He's such a pest. He's hitting balls in the alley. He's hitting balls over the fence. He's stealing bases. He's jumping up against the wall and catching balls. And obviously it's been a frustrating season for him. And Gary Sanchez is having like a historically bad offensive season, brief as it is, but you know, he's not hitting at all. He was down in the 120s the last time that I look. What do you see when you watch Brett Gardner and Gary Sanchez these days? You know what's funny? Brett Gardner has, over his career, his lowest career OPS is in August, if you go by month, August and September. And over the course of regular seasons, it's easy to see. He kind of wears down, you know, and just his all-out style of play, you know, he's a little beat up late in the season. Well, those numbers are kind of in line now, but for a completely different reason. It's not like he's played 100 games leading into this already. I want to say for a guy like him, it's, you know, it's 45 games, and that could happen to anybody. At this point in time, you're usually around Mother's Day, let's say. Maybe a little bit, somewhere between Mother's Day and Memorial Day. And you're saying, okay, bad start, get yourself going. And it's not unique to Gardner. There are so many players all around baseball, Dan, as you, as you well know, that mm-hmm. just haven't gotten off to that start for various types of reasons. But they don't have the other 100 games to figure it out. So he had a couple of good games last week. Aaron Boone was asked a question about, you know, Gardner's peripheral numbers look really good. And he said, yeah, that's exactly what we're seeing. That's why we're running him out there. And then the very next day, he had a couple of pretty good games. I think in the doubleheader, he had a couple of pretty good games. And really, all you're looking for right now, you're looking for a guy to get hot because it's not like he has time to salvage his season. And that's kind of what you're looking at with Gary Sanchez, too. Swing and a miss. A golden sombrero for Gary Sanchez. He's now four for his last 41. I honestly don't know because there are certain times I've seen two different times this season where he is in the mode of fouling off pitches and having some good at bats. And you say, you know what? He's really close. He's just missing these. But then it leads back into whiff, whiff and oh, what happened? It's gone. He was so close and then it's gone. You don't need him to salvage a season. It's not going to look good. You know, he'd go 20 for 20 and that number is still not going to look very good. I think you just need to figure out if he can get on that fastball, not chase as much, and be dangerous enough to hit the ball over the fence because that's really what you want from Gary Sanchez right now. If he can do that a couple of times and just be dangerous enough and Judge and Stanton come back as we expect you know, by the end of this week, 
and Torres is back and LeMahieu is back and they're hitting and Voight is hitting at, at you know MVP discussion level you know whatever you get from Gary Sanchez down there should be fine if he can just find a little bit of danger in that swing mm-hmm. yeah you mentioned uh, Judge and Stanton and that was my next question you know second year in a row where the Yankees have dealt with so many injuries and last year it was an unbelievable story of next man up whether it was Talkman or Ford or Urshela uh, those guys helped carry them last year, a little bit different this year. So they'd love to get Judge and Stanton back. So you said later this week, is there any kind of firm timeline on when these two guys might be back in the lineup? You know, that kind of pulled me out, but I, I feel good right now. I feel 100%. So I was trying to beg them to give me a couple of days, you know, so I'd, I'd be ready tomorrow. But uh, it is what it is. I think they're just kind of looking out for me, you know, so it doesn't get worse because, you know, Cavs. Um, may start mild, but if you push them, they may, you know, turn into a grade one or grade two. Not firm yet. What they're, they're playing in Scranton and we're not really, we haven't really been given a, like a, they need this many number of at bats and then they're back. Listen, I wouldn't discount that you could see one or both of them before the series is over. They're that close to coming back and they need them as much as they may do last year with the next man up philosophy you know, Mike Ford has struggled this year outside a couple of home runs. Mike Talkman has played okay, but he has zero power. Last year, he was Talkman the Sockman. He's got <laughs> nothing this year. I mean, there, he has not hit a single home run. His extra base power is slugging is way down. He's like, you know, 200 points down slugging. So that part of his game is missing, and it's something they can obviously use when you're missing the kind of bats we're talking about. But the other part about last year that I think gets lost is that DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres played nearly every day at MVP levels, and they were not part of the injury bug. They were not part of next man up. They were part of everyday lineup, and those two guys played at such a high level that it allowed next man up to kind of play in the shadows and, and be part of that story while we kind of you know, forgot the fact that, oh yeah, these two guys are great players playing great. And they both had a couple of spells this year on the injured list. And that kind of hurt, you know, that coincided with that period of time we're talking about where the, after 16 and six, the Yankees weren't quite the Yankees. You know, they were missing Torres. They were missing LeMayu on top of everybody else. Well, once they came back and started hitting again, I think you saw that the seeds were planted, and really this past week, I mean, pretty much, LeMay, go back and look at boxes, you know, LeMahieu and, and Torres, and they're in the middle of all of it right now, and, and they're back playing, you know, to, to their levels. Swung on and hit in the air to left field and deep. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. How do you like that for a beginning? David John makes long gone. He homers in the left field seats, and the Yankees take an immediate one. Uh, I'm not sure if this next question is a fair one to ask you because I'm asking you to go inside the heads of the Yankee players. But from a Blue Jay perspective, this is a very big series. Even though, as you say, if you're the 8 or the 7 or the 5 or the 4, does it really matter all that much this year? But, you know, the Blue Jays are maybe exceeding expectations a bit, maybe a year ahead of schedule, dealing with a lot of injuries too, yet they're finding a way to win games. And for them to knock off the Yankees or finish ahead of the Yankees would be huge because they're the Yankees. And they're the ones that everybody wants to knock off the top of the mountain every single year. How do you think the Yankees view the Blue Jays right now heading into these next two series that they'll have with one another over the next 10 days? 
Yeah, I think it would be an, a much more interesting series from a standing perspective if there hadn't been so much separation created just this past weekend from the, from the ninth spot. You know, you're right. the the seventh and eighth eighth place is now closer to number one than they are to number nine, and that's a pretty big gap. So the idea of kind of playing for your playoff spot isn't necessarily there, but I I think the Yankees have a little bit of a little bit of edge to them because they know they went such a really long time not playing well and that they're not the team that is you know seventh or eighth best that this series means something to them knowing that you know as i said they could lose what five out of seven to the blue jays and in, in, uh, that they're going to play here and still not lose their playoff spot but you know, you know, professional athletes, that's not who they are. They're not looking to mm -hmm. back into this. And I think they understand that they weren't playing their best for a long time. So getting healthy, hitting their stride, that's going to be important. And the idea of how important are these seven games to them, it's how important is tonight's game? That's the focus you know, to the rest of us uh, intellectuals, we can we can sit there and talk about the seven games or however many games you have left and, and kind of do the math, you know. They like to set the tone of, you know, be prepared tonight. I just remember the Yankees, Rob Thompson, Canadian Rob Thompson, who was yes. a coach with the Yankees for a very long time and is now with the Phillies staff. When he was in player development in the Yankees staff, he told me about a philosophy that, that you know, He's kind of followed along, and, every, and the Yankees follow along. And every once in a while, you'll hear them say it, too. Win this pitch. You know, they break it down into the simplest of forms. You know, it's it's not about, you know, having a good week or a month. Hey, win this pitch, and then win the next pitch. And then if, if you've won enough pitches by the end of the night, then you've put yourself in a position to win the game, and then you do the whole thing over again the next day. So I think that's how narrow the focus is for a team that's looking to get themselves back and you know, winning five in a row is obviously a good start, but it's, you know, it's going to start tonight and they're going to say, all right, win this pitch and, and try and set a tone. So the Blue Jays are taking it one day at a time. It's good to know the Yankees are taking it one pitch <laughs> at a time. They are, <laughs> they have upped the cliche to a new level. So that's something for the Blue Jays to be aware of going into this series. Sweeney, thank you. It's, it's good to catch up with you. I'm glad you're going to be at a ballpark tonight watching actual baseball players in person running around on the bases. I'm a little bit envious, but I appreciate your time. Stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road, my friend. Dan, it's always great to catch up with you, and I do hope to do it in person sometime. Thanks for having me. So as we heard from Sweeney, the Yankees' fortunes have definitely taken a turn for the better over the past several days, and Stanton and Judge should be back soon. This team might still be a force to be reckoned with over the next couple of weeks and into October. Blue Jays and Yankees will see a lot of each other over the next 10 days. It won't be dull. That'll do it for this episode of A Swing and a Bell, produced by Christian Ryan. It's the stretch run. It's a pennant race. And there's a lot to talk about, and we hope you'll join us as often as you can on A Swing and a Bell. Thanks for listening.